Folks, I've just realized that I forgot to ask you to put any communion tokens that you have with you into the offering basket as it passed you by. Could I suggest that instead you pass them up just now to the end of the pew that you're sitting in and leave them sitting right at the end of that pew and we'll gather them in uh, sometime uh, after the service has ended. So please just pass them up uh, while you remember to do that to the end of the pew uh, and we'll gather them in later. Just had a bit of a panic there a moment ago. I looked at the clock there on the, the wall and it said quarter to 12. Um, so I thought, goodness, this is all going very quickly. But it's, I think it's stalled there, so, so that's good. Folks, turn with me to that passage in Matthew 19, page 986. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you love us, that you long to give us the best. You long for our lives to be uh, rich and, and full of deep joy. Lord, help us to trust in your love for us and your desire to give us what's best. Help us to do that now as we come to look at this, uh, this difficult and demanding subject this morning. Amen. So we think today briefly about the subject of divorce. The religious Pharisees come to Jesus they ask him the question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? It was a common area of debate among the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And the issue here isn't so much divorce itself. These guys took divorce and the right to divorce for granted. The issue here is the justifiable grounds for divorce. And I think if you look carefully at the question the Pharisees ask Jesus, you'll probably begin to see that there's an underlying question when these religious Pharisees come and ask Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? I think the question goes something like this. How can good, upstanding Jews like us divorce our wives and get away with it? How can we do what we want to do and yet keep our noses clean? We're aware that marriage is a promise of faithfulness, but we're looking for an exception to the rule, a loophole that will exempt us from loyalty. Jesus, talk us through the small print. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus replies by pointing them back to the Genesis creation account. He explains that in marriage, a woman and a man become one flesh. And he reminds the Pharisees that this, this is the will of God. The original will of God. Divorce isn't 
part of God's plan. No one should separate what God has brought together. Now the Pharisees must have been enjoying this moment. You see, they had asked their question here to test Jesus. They wanted either to incriminate him or to show him as in some way naive or or stupid. And now his answer here reveals him to be some sort of a naive character who wasn't living in the real world. Someone who imagines a world where marriages don't break down and divorce doesn't happen. So they continue their line of questioning. Why then did Moses command that a, a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? You see, the law of Moses, which these Pharisees regarded as their final authority, it gave clear guidelines in how a divorce should be conducted. A divorced woman was entitled to a certificate of divorce, a legally binding document. It recorded the the reason for the separation uh, and the fact that this separation had now been completed. It was actually a document that gave the woman uh, a better place to stand than if she didn't have it. It made the way open for her uh, to enter into a new marriage. Jesus, you can't be right, the Pharisees say, about God not wanting divorce. Sure, Moses gave us rules for how that divorce uh, was supposed to be processed, how it was supposed to operate. So Jesus comes back to them again. He says, you're right. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Jesus explains that Moses' legislation wasn't in any way an indicator of the will of God for his people. It's an allowance that arose because of the hard-heartedness, the the sinfulness of the people. This, This allowance served as a control against abuse. We've already said it served to protect women against unscrupulous husbands. So Jesus is fully aware of all of this. And even after he's engaged this and, and the, the Pharisees have reminded him of the Mosaic law, Jesus says in verse 9, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Folks, the the Christian view of marriage, divorce, and remarriage, whenever you take them into real life situations, can become quite complex. And different godly people come to different conclusions uh, on some of the outworkings of these things. I'm not entirely comfortable standing before you this morning saying this is how it is in any and every situation and apply that on a broad brush because I I can only imagine the variety of experiences of marriage and divorce and remarriage that we might have in a congregation like this. If you're here this morning and there are issues of this nature that you'd like to talk about, I'd be only too glad uh, to meet with you and to talk with you about them. I'd be much less comfortable in talking about your personal affairs 
in a way that wouldn't allow me to deal with them in a pastoral way uh, when there's a whole congregation listening in. So if I'm not going to answer all your uh, controversial and divisive questions about divorce this morning, please forgive me for that, but I'm not sure that it's a a pastorally uh, wise thing to do. I do want to talk, though, about a, a, a massively fundamental issue that underlies all of this. Whenever we look at the Pharisees' question and look at how Jesus deals with it, I see a clash of two entirely opposing worldviews. And this is what I want us to think about for just a few moments this morning. The Pharisees and those they represent are asking question, this question. How can I walk away from my commitments and still feel I'm justified in doing so? How can I slip out of my commitments with my public reputation still intact? How can I break a covenant of faithfulness and still count myself a faithful person? That's what these guys are interested in. These are the religious guys. The guys who claim to want to please God and live with integrity. But followers of Jesus Christ are learning to live a different way. They're learning to be faithful to their wives and to their husbands. They're learning to be transformed into the likeness of God who's faithful to them from bottom to top, from start to finish. Folks, I used to struggle more with these issues of marriage and divorce until I began to see them in the context of the whole of the Bible and and I've learned a new way of thinking about these things. God has always been a faithful husband to his people. That's how the Bible tells us of God. These last few months, uh, just before Christmas there, we were learning from the, the book of Exodus of how God called his bride out of Egypt. We'll, we'll learn in, in the future as we read on in Exodus how God commits himself to his people. Sinai, that moment where the covenant is, is given the Mosaic law. It's almost a bit like a, a marriage ceremony. God committing himself and the people committing themselves to him. And the history of God's people who have entered into this marriage with God shows that they're adulterous almost from the very beginning. They turn their back on, on the true and the living God. They run after other gods. So you have the prophets like Ezekiel confronting Israel. You adulterous wife. You prefer strangers to your own husband. Whenever God commissions the prophet Hosea, he gives him a a really weird commission. He tells him, Hosea, I want you to act this out before the people. This adulterous behavior of Israel's. So he, he he invites Hosea, go take to yourself an adulterous wife and the children of unfaithfulness. Because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So the people are are unrelenting in their adultery against God. They treat their husband, the God who loves them, only with contempt. But God, for his part, he's the husband who's faithful 
without end. He never gives up on his bride. He always loves her. So later in Hosea's drama, God commissions his prophet, go, show your love to your wife again. Though she's loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. How does God, the husband, treat the wife who's betrayed him? He loves her. And then he loves her more. And he loves her with an unfailing love. He humbles himself. Do you know how humbling it is to go back to the person who's rejected you over and over and over again? He humbles himself. He keeps calling her back. And finally he gives himself for her. When Jesus came into the world to die on the cross, God the husband laid down his life for his adulterous wife. It's no mistake then when Paul, writing to the the Christians in Ephesus about their marriages, points to the very nature and character of God. That's the place where we learn how to be married people. Are wives to treat their husbands? They're to submit to them as Christ submitted and as husbands are to submit to their wives. How are the husbands to treat their wives? They're to love them as Christ loved the church. In that way that we've been talking about here. In that humbling themselves over and over and over again. That giving themselves entirely away. Folks, in a moment we're going to celebrate communion together. And the early church called this uh, a love feast. And they were right to do so. It's It's a feast that speaks of the unfathomable love of God for his unworthy and unfaithful bride. It's the moment when a husband gives his life for his adulterous wife. And though she displeases him and betrays him, and though she breaks his heart at every turn, he loves her. And he continues to love her. And rather than walking away from her and divorcing her, he gives himself for her that she might be won over, that she might be forgiven, that she might be made new. This is our God. This is the Jesus whom we follow. 
And this is the way we want to learn to live in our marriages. This morning we began with a question, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And after spending time with Jesus, the only answer we can give is, who cares? Who cares whether it's lawful or not? Divorcing our wives won't help us to become more like Jesus Christ. Divorcing our husbands will not make us more like our faithful God in whose image we've been made and long to be remade. Folks, we come this morning to gather around a table where we celebrate the wonderful love of God, the lengths that he went to to make us his bride. Let's sing a couple of songs before we do that. Songs that speak of God's faithfulness to us and his love for us. The two songs we'll sing are Faithful One and then Beneath the Cross of Jesus. We'll just sing these two songs uh, together, back to back, uh, and we'll stand as we sing.